All right. Ready? Yeah. What's up, everybody? I cannot wait to get into our episode today. Our guest, Alicia Arts, is a CrossFit member here at Mecca Fitness. Uh, and I know I mentioned this on a previous episode, but members as guests are so enjoyable. Uh, there's so much meat, so much substance that they bring with them and their stories. And not that there isn't that with, with coaches or as experts, but I don't know. I guess I'm having trouble finding the words exactly. It just feels like with members, we as coaches get to see so much growth from when they first start to where they've come and the trajectory that they're still on and headed. And so we kind of take all that excitement and get to put them in front of a microphone. And it's, it's fun to hear them tell their stories for other people, not just the coaches to hear and see. So with Alicia, I think I'll just start from the beginning, which I was lucky enough to do Alicia's tour of the gym when she first walked in the door here. She had some previous CrossFit experience, but had just moved here from Ohio. And not just anywhere in Ohio but the exact same town that my dad lives in now, uh, in about 20 minutes from where I grew up. So quick shout out to New Philadelphia, Ohio. Um, but it's always cool to have that. It's a small world connection with someone, but I could never have predicted what was about to come with Alicia. Over the first few months of joining the gym, she very quickly became engulfed in our community and someone who just sort of makes our gym what it is. She just fit the culture. Aside from being the first coach that she met here and the Ohio connection, I personally felt an extra level of uh, protection and connection to Alicia as she was an original member of our Anchor Mentality program. I've thoroughly enjoyed watching her mindset grow over the course of her journey here. I'm sure that's going to make for an excellent topic throughout the rest of this podcast as well, as well as our own friendship that also grew. And on top of the mental gains, she has made her way through a few different individual tracks we offer with Coach Dylan and found a real love for Olympic lifting. So you add up the headspace growth and the physical growth, and it's easy to see why Alicia is someone us coaches can point to and say, there's a perfect example of what a life in the gym can do for you. I'm sure within the next hour, we'll get to dive deep into all these things and much, much more. But of course, we'll leave it up to Alicia for where she wants to start. Dylan is with me here today co-hosting. So what's up, Dylan? What's going on? How are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. That looks good. Um, and we'll turn it over to the lady of the hour, Alicia. Hey, lady. Hey, uh, I feel like I should just do a mic drop because <laughs> how am I going to talk? anything that you just said i told you (laughs) (laughs) i'm honored thank you it was very sweet of course we're we're glad we're here today um excited to just have this conversation just a bunch of friends hanging out in the room talking but um look we we can start wherever you want to um there's there's quite a few i think important points along uh, uh, your journey from an outsider's perspective but um why don't why don't you like lay the first track down for us and kind of tell us like how did you end up here how did you start with fitness what's your favorite aspect of it i mean yeah where do you want to start with all of it cool um so let's go back to college times actually high school um i was a cheerleader um and then for years 
six, seven, and eight, I played softball. So I had a little bit of an idea about what fitness was, um, but nothing I really dove into. It was just like, oh, I do this after school, or I do this with my friends. Um, and then going to college, um, I never, like when I toured OU, I don't know if I really even went into the fitness facility there. Um, it was never anything that was really on the forefront. I was like, I'm here to go to school. Um, and then you start eating at the dining hall every day, and you're like, oh, I need to go to the gym. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm I did. Sure, I'm sure at OU it was just the dining hall. Mm-hmm. Sure yep, sure was. <laughs> Not the number one party school or any drinking aspect. Um, but no, so my first year and a half of college, I did, I did zero physical activity. Um, I mean, I walked on campus to class, but I never really went and got involved in any, I don't know, classes or anything like that. Um, I guess maybe we're going to like get right into like how I became to love fitness. Um, go for it. You kind of have to kind of hit rock bottom, right? So I was in a very unhealthy relationship um, with my partner at the time and turned to food for a lot of coping mechanisms. Um, and combining that with no physical activity, I, I was just very unhealthy. Um, got to a point where I didn't even like to look at myself in the mirror. Um, I had a lot of body dysmorphia. Um, and not the best partner at the time, um, constantly picking up my flaws, constantly telling me his ideal, I mean, things that they like to look at. You're, you're in college, there's a bunch of hot girls on campus. Um, and at that time, we weren't so body positive, right? Um, everybody has to look a certain way. Um, I never fit that. And I never really thought twice about it because I was just happy and I was nice. And I <laughs> was like, this, I'm just being myself. Um, so long story short, we had a very bad breakup and I moved um, out of state. I moved to Virginia for a summer with my dad. Um, my dad is a CrossFit coach. And I started CrossFit. <laughs> um, so that wasn't my first intro to CrossFit. The first fun fact the first place I ever did CrossFit was South Korea. Uh, my dad was stationed over there, and he managed a gym um, right on base. And um, <laughs> I remember going over there. So this was, like, the summer before I went to college, right? So I had, like, no, like, fitness, like, love for fitness or any idea about that. He's like, let's just go do a CrossFit workout. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I do a CrossFit workout the next day. <laughs> I roll out of bed, and I'm like, Dad, I think my abs are swollen. Like, can that happen? Like, I'm pretty sure I had rhabdo. Oh, um, <laughs> so then a year later, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to actually start CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lived with my dad for three months, um, and it was a total mental reset for me. Um, Wait, you lived with him for three months in South Korea? No, so I visited South Korea, okay. flash forward a year, okay. um, the summer... Um, Post breakup, I lived with him for three three mm-hmm. months, and um, CrossFit every day. Um, I didn't change a lot of my eating habits. I didn't necessarily have bad eating habits, um, but it was more so just about being active, um, and it did so much 
for my physical like growth as well as like my mental growth. Um, I felt clearer. Uh, I wasn't so bogged down. I was sleeping better. Um, I was like, oh, I guess this is just kind of like what it's supposed to be like to kind of be starting to like have a healthier lifestyle. Um, so the first three months that I did CrossFit, I lost close to 40 pounds. Um, and that, like, and I, I mean, yeah, it was wild because looking back at just number wise, it's funny now that I, th I don't ever really weigh myself, um, which we can talk about later on because I've also done like nutrition stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I was my heaviest and my, uh, unhealthiest, I weighed 214 pounds and sitting in front of you right now. I weigh 211, but <laughs> it's two totally different body compositions, right? So losing 40 pounds meant that I was able to actually just be a healthy, active individual. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got started in CrossFit world. And then I went back to college um, and I did it there and I recruited my friends. I'd make mm -hmm. them come do CrossFit with me. Um, but yeah, so that was the intro to how I got involved in that. That's, it's a lot of shit. But. It's a lot. That's awesome. And you you already have brought up like so much like the specifics that we want to dive into mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and things like that. But um, man, it, it feels like every time we have these these podcasts, these conversations, like it it comes down to like oh, it wasn't just that I was like physically unhealthy. It was just like man, life sucked. <laughs> and then I found fitness you know mm -hmm. obviously like we emphasize crossfit a lot here but like it's not just about crossfit and we're not just about crossfit we're, we're about you know moving things like that um i think that's sort of the angle i'd love to dive deeper into this yeah, it's like too. the mental the mental yeah. side of it like mm -hmm. and then as i said in the intro like you you did amp with me yep. and i know we've had conversations and we're not going to share specifics but you continue to take care of your mental health outside of AMP. Mm -hmm. um, talk about kind of the the mindset shift and you know what's different about your your kind of happiness level now. Yeah. So if I get emotional, very sorry. Um, um, more than welcome to. Mental health is something that I pride myself on. It's something that I feel like I talk about every single day. Um, I used to never talk about it. I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know, I didn't know that anxiety, depression was just like, there were words like attached to what you were feeling, you know? Like I was just kind of like, oh, I'm just stressed out. I'm just stressed. Everything's you're just stressed out <laughs> or you're tired. Um, in reality, your mental health, you're, you're failing yourself. Um, for me, it took hitting that rock bottom and trying to just build myself back up in any way that I could. Um, one of the first introductions to mental health that I feel like I had was um, learning about my love languages. So, <clears throat> because it, it kind of separates it in different parts. So you can't, mental health I feel like is a lot of self-love too, mm -hmm. um, which I spoke about previously that I struggled hardcore with body dysmorphia. Um, I could never look in the mirror, and I never had one nice thing to say about myself. Um, 
not just physically, but I, I don't know. I Growing up, I wasn't told a lot of like positive affirmations, um, which is hard to talk about, but it's helped me become the person I am today because now I'm giving everybody all the affirmations all the time. <laughs> like, you're fucking cool. You're really good at this. Keep it up. <laughs> like, I'm just like yeah. always trying to be that if I can change one person's day by saying one nice thing or giving them one tip or just giving them a fist bump or a smile, like, I want to be that person that's like, wow, well, she made my day. Were you always like that? Were you always the one, like, pumping everybody up? Or did that come after you kind of gave yourself a little bit of that love? I definitely, I've always been a super good friend. Um, I have always said that my friends are my family. Um... And so I feel like I've given it to everybody else and I never gave it to myself. And then when I started loving myself, I started loving everybody else even more, um, which is really cool to think about. Um, now I, where I'm at with my mental health is I like to, um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's such a weird thing to talk about because I want it to be so normal. Um, and I think eventually it will be so normal. It's just going to be a part of who we are and everybody's awareness. Um, but for my mental health, it's just, I get out of bed, I drink a big glass of water, and I start with, like, positive positive affirmations. So, like, say it's going to be a good day. Um, I'm always trying to get that mentality right right when I wake up. Um, it's a new day to, like, if you had a bad day yesterday, you don't have to bring it into the next day. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like that's, I just try to wake up with positive thoughts. Um, I try to be a very positive person when everything around us is sometimes very negative. Um, I was telling this to the, these two earlier. Um, <clears throat> about five years ago, everybody was like, what's your New Year's resolution? Um, and I was like, uh, I just want to be more positive. Okay? And so then I was like, let's be more positive then. Let's fucking do it. Um, so I just, that was, I feel like, the beginning of me reshaping my mindset. It's like, I can choose to make this a good day. These are the things that I can focus on that make me feel good. Whether that be having sun hit my face, or drinking that glass of water, or eating a bowl of raspberries and blueberries, and just sitting there and listening to good music. Like, there's so many things that you can do that boost your mental health without you even really thinking about it. Um, the people you surround yourself with, uh, what you listen to, um, things that you look at, things you daydream about. Um, there's so many things. The brain is so complex. Um, I've said this in a lot of my transformation posts. Um, the human body is incredible, and the brain is like the main part of that. Um, there's just so many aspects. Like, if I could be a doctor, I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. If I could be a doctor and dive into that every single day, I it's, it would be insane. Um, I used to want to be a doctor, fun fact, but <laughs> my brother got the science and math genes and I got the writing and art genes. So that's why I do all things creative. <laughs> well, we need that. But I think, I think even in all that creativity there, there's still, a, there's still a discipline about you. You can see it too with like your dedication to the gym and to showing up. Um, but, like, you're right. Talking about mental health can be weird sometimes, especially because the term mental health is such a buzzword now. 
on. It's really oh, yeah. hard to talk about things the second they become cliche mm-hmm. or the second that they become buzzwords because it's like, yeah, everybody's got a problem with their mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yes, but when I'm talking about mental health, I'm talking about the real struggles that like I internally am feeling and processing and in my own internal battles like every single day. Let's, and so Yeah, so real quick as yeah. you're saying that, um, I for my job I have now in my previous job, I do interviewing. So I bring on uh, new team members and I talk about mental health during the interview. Um, one, just to show that it's a safe environment for those people um, and that it's an open culture thing. Like, I think mental health should be a core value for every single business ever that's hiring any human um, because <laughs> we all have mental health that needs, I don't know, boosted. Um, I always say to them, it's important to have that balance, that work-life balance, um, just because how can you be the best team member, the best spouse, the best partner, the best friend, the best employee if you're not your best self and how can you be your best self if you're not sleeping enough not eating enough not doing enough things to to fill your own cup Um, there have been so many times in my life where um, I'm a yes woman and I want to help everybody all the time and I spread myself way too thin and I feel like everything's crumbling around me but that one thing that I got to do for somebody else I'm like oh that made me feel good but that's not the right way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to sit back and let other people fill your cup. And that's something that's so weird for me because I've done so much for myself growing up um, and just in the adult world and like transitioning into like the mature, independent woman I want to be. That I'm like, I don't need your help, it's good, but like, yes, you fucking do. <laughs> like, guess what? You can, do, like, yeah. let them buy you coffee or yeah. let them offer to drive this time. Like, just the smallest things. Um, but I just wanted to hit on that as you, I, I just think it's really important to realize that mental health can be even just like making sure that, I don't know, you're letting somebody else do something for you. That's yeah. another form of mental health. Like, I, I think it's interesting too that you said, like, um, getting into the subject is like touchy for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I still remember when we started thinking about your AMP program, we termed it in the beginning as life coaching. It you was. remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we started I was to say the life first coaching. one on that. I like won yeah. the free month or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then you like, were the first. we would announce it to the classes and the briefings and stuff like that. And I remember nine times out of 10, people would just like kind of giggle. And, like, even in the background, they're like, oh, yeah, you guys need some life coaching, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. But, like, after that dust settled and Dave, being Dave, was prepared and he's like, I, I know what I'm going to term it. I know how I'm going to do this. So as I start getting people in here, I'm going to change some lives. And you saw that snowball and it's mm-hmm. like, it is what it is now. But I wanted, like, the listeners to remember what you said. It's taken you, you said it was like a five-year process oh, where yeah. you're, continue, mm-hmm. you're continuously, like, saying the positive things, building the positivity on your end. And the common theme so far from the episodes that at least I've been here, and I mean, I've listened to all of them, but there's always a common theme that we somehow pull out of people through these conversations. It's like, there's a lot of dedication that's needed to be there. And it takes years to build. And you, just in our talk before this, you're, like you said, the mini Swiss army knife. (laughs) You're able to do this in many, many ways. Um, my question real quick, how if you were to put a number on it, how many jobs do you think you've had? Oh my god. Um, 
I can tell you I had eight jobs in college. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like, lot, like during, during like school too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I worked at, I was a server. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was a server, I was also a bar back and I was a food runner. And then mm-hmm. um, I was a tour guide on campus. I was an orientation leader. I um, was a TA. <laughs> I've done <laughs> so many things just because me, I'm like, I want to do all the things. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do them all. Mm-hmm. Um, in my lifetime, I've probably had well over 20 jobs. Which is, that's that's awesome. Like, that's what I wanted people to know. Like, yeah, it's taken five years, but you've had, like, if you say the number's over 20, you've had over 20 doses of how to balance different kinds of things. And with right. that, if you're learning, like, your love languages and how you respond with people and how they should respond with you and mm-hmm. what's comfortable, that's, like, tenfold the amount and it takes that long of a time to yeah. kind of map out which is incredible so it's that's freaking cool. wild yeah love that crazy yeah there's always the there's always the thing beneath the surface is actually being trained I, we talk about all the time with like you know done your program is set up heavily around energy system training and so yeah, twenty minute AMRAP, and this is a gross overest like oversimplification of what you do, <laughs> what we do in these programming meetings. But you come in one day, you have a twenty minute AMRAP, and it's it's squats, push ups, and pull ups. And then you come in the next week on that same day, and it's another twenty minute AMRAP, but it's cleans and shoulder to overhead press and running, and it's like two totally different workouts if you look at them but really what they both are is steady state conditioning mm-hmm. you're learning how to just move constantly for 20 minutes it doesn't matter what the movement is correct and that's exactly what you know was going through my head when you're talking about the like 20 different doses of like how to like juggle and balance and like plan things and adapting and adapt. changing and that's what you were practicing the whole time mm-hmm. even though you're like God, I'm trying to figure this life thing out. I'm a 20-year-old kid with all these different jobs and schoolwork. But really, you're setting yourself up and you're training your mind, you're training your mental health to be incredibly athletic, to be incredibly adaptive. Just crazy. And then, so I'm I'm like real-time like processing right now, okay? So we talked about how many jobs I've had. We've talked about how it's transitioned from my jobs to then to working out. And now I'm like, oh, it's like still not done because I've done four different tracks of the gym just to constantly change. I've always said, I mean, anytime somebody asks me, like, what do you want to get out of this? I'm like, I want to be a well-rounded athlete. Like, Mm -hmm. I've done the amp um, and I've done the Olympic lifting. I've done the strength whenever I wasn't, whenever we first came back from COVID and I... I mean, the gym was taken away from us for months and months at a time. I, I lost almost all of my strength. So I did the strength track. And then I went back into Olympic lifting, and I was like, I want to do the endurance. <laughs> Which I remember that. everybody was like, I remember going to Dylan, and I was like, so, like, what is the endurance track? And I think we were both like, this is a real. Because <laughs> I, I mean, everybody should know this by now. I despise running. Never been a runner. I'm a little bit of a thicker person. Um, I have a lot of <laughs> more weight to move. So running is not my forte. Um, I can throw some heavy weights around, sure, and I can do kettlebell swings, but running is not something I enjoyed. But it was disgusting how addicting just getting in that grind was. I think that's just because of who you are. Like, there's <laughs> there's a lot of people, like, 
Every time I have a conversation with someone about a track, like if someone was like, hey, I want to talk to you after the class for like five minutes about mm-hmm. a track, I'm like, I already know where it's going to go. And like halfway through the questions with people, I I can already like know whether or not it's true or not. I'm like, it doesn't matter what track they do or what track they choose. They're here to learn something different and add stress to their life and learn how to adapt to it. And like... When you said, I want to do the endurance one, I'm like, all right, let's do it. I mean, I knew you already and the kind of person you were, but it's always cool when I see other people come up with questions about it and they're like, what does it entail? And they're like kind of doing this and that. And I mean, anyone that's done the endurance track knows it is shitty. Like it sucks. Well, yeah. And it, I mean, transitioning from, so I was doing, I was trying to get, that was when I was. Okay, so during COVID is when I did a shit ton of nutrition stuff. Shout out Frankie. Shout out Jess Henry um, from Columbus. Um, I did all of that stuff, and I was like, wow, I love how my body's feeling right now. Um, And then that's when I started doing even deeper body work stuff. So nasal breathing. Um, I'm so excited to talk about (laughs) So I did nasal breathing during lifting, during workouts, during all of that stuff. And that was when I was like, I wonder if I could do the endurance track and sprinkle in nasal breathing during my endurance track. And I did it, and I was like, that's it. I'm going to the Olympics. So real <laughs> real, real quick. Not really, but. Before, before we get off on another topic, I, I want to keep this going. Yeah. yeah. Before you started um, the endurance track, yes. you said you had health issues with asthma. Yeah, so I've had... I mean, chronic asthma my entire life. Um, found my first asthma attack I had when I, I think I was nine. Um, so I have allergies. And anytime aller- my allergies are flared, then your asthma is triggered. So an asthma, for anybody who doesn't know what it is, um, your bronchioles and your lungs um, have basically a coil around them. And people who have asthma, they're just t- a little, the coil is tighter. And when you go into like a full-blown asthma attack, the coils tighter and then mucus starts to form. So it's like you you legitimately can't breathe. Um, yeah, crazy stuff. Right. But <clears throat> I had just started going to an allergy and immunologist um, because it got to a point where I was doing my rescue inhaler all the time and I was like, what's happening? I'm a very active person. Um, A lot of my doctors tried to say like maybe it was exercise induced and I was like, there's no way that this is exercise induced. Like it has to be from allergies or just like a certain way that I'm taking in oxygen. So just, I was convinced that it was just not like, they're like, maybe you could just take your inhaler before you work out. And I was like, there's no way. Cause when you take your inhaler, what it does is it shoots a powder into your mouth and then that trickles down your throat and rests on your lungs. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's just gross. Like I don't want to have powder, like eating some chalk before my workout. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I want to do. Mm-hmm. No. So what I decided to do, I went on an everyday <clears throat> um, asthma pill. So it was, it's asthma and allergy combined. So it's just like a single, it's singular is what it's called. Um, and that's just to kind of like help control long-term mm-hmm. effects, whatever. Um, I remember I talked to Dylan about what this was and I was like, do I need to go see a different doctor? Um, I talked about like, what, like a, some other kind of like 
homeopathic or some yeah, or you like did. You did. Mm-hmm. just different doctors to get different opinions mm-hmm. on the lungs and because you know people have their own I don't know. Mm-hmm. that's a whole different thing mm-hmm. um but i was like i want to see what nasal breathing does for me mm-hmm. um we had that little conversation. The, yes. Right. The I told book, you. I told Yeah. I told the you. The book, book James Nestor, Breath by James Nestor. And Correct. then um, it also, we had talked about Wim, Wim Hof and like yeah. the cold exposure stuff mm-hmm. too. And I told so, you, make sure you talk to David. Yes. About that. <laughs> yeah. So the only time I had heard of the, fr- the phrase nasal breathing is when we had done it for like a six week cycle. See how long you can nasal breathe. And I was like, I'm going to try it. So I remember I tried it and. I tell this to Dave every time I nasal breathe. He said this to me, think of it as moving meditation. And I was like, okay. So whenever you get into a moving meditation, like you're controlling your breath. Like you are in control of every aspect of your body. Like the fight or, like fight or flight response is so minuscule. You don't even, like you feel it coming on, but then you don't even realize it goes away because you're just in your body. You're not in your head. You're in your body. You're feeling how, how you're moving. Um, you're not looking at the clock to see when you're done. It's just like you're weirdly enjoying the workout more. You're getting more out of it. You're burning more. It's it's like a, it's an adrenaline rush. Because then at the end of the workout, when everybody is laying on the ground dying, you can take a few more breaths out of your nose, then do nose and mouth, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, I'm recovered. It's because you're actively recovering while you're burning mm-hmm. right that's yeah. the science behind yeah. it so and then you so you we talked about that nasal breathing stuff you looked into the book and stuff yes and then like did you test it out yes. a little bit before you did the the endurance track i did okay so sorry there's like so many paths that's like fine. this that's is fine. like well, hold on let's let's get the listeners caught up to just in case like what nasal breathing exactly is is just what it sounds like. You're you're doing your workout. You're breathing only through your nose, so you can't exhale through your mouth. You can't inhale through your mouth. Both are coming through your nose. And the reason that we've done this and experimented with this um, at our gym with certain cycles and certain workouts is simply because it's a practice in control of your breath. It's it's a breath practice essentially. It's less about the workout. And when we started this with GPP. We had we had Bob on the podcast who was successful at it. Alicia, obviously, we're going to keep diving into this. She's very, very successful at it. But the people who are unsuccessful at it, which was most people, and it's okay, is the what we found out is the approach was wrong. Not that people can't do this, but we put that clock on and people go, okay, time to go fast. Mm-hmm. And what people were trying to do is to work out as fast as they could while only breathing through their nose. Mm-hmm. And, and it Hard took fail. us a couple <laughs> tries, which, you know, also a testament to, I think you Dylan of like sticking with things. This didn't work. We're never going to do it again. It's like, no, this, this didn't work. We're, we're going to try this again and we're going to try a different approach with it. What we started to find out is that what people need to remind it of is like, Oh, you're not going for a score with mm-hmm. this. Like, let's make it so you get to hit the RX button only if you nasal breathe the whole way. Mm-hmm. Not, it doesn't matter what your score is. Mm-hmm. So you can get six rounds, and it's going to be scaled. Mm-hmm. And you can get one and a half rounds, and it's going to be RX. Right. Right? And I think when people started to change how they looked at it, that like, oh, okay, when I feel like I can't breathe, I need to slow down rather than try to hang on to the breath. 
And what comes from that, I think, is exactly what you were talking about, is you get in that zone, it's a bit of an adrenaline rush because you, for that duration of the workout, have so much control over your body. You're You're not chasing your breath. You're not gasping for air. You're letting your breath dictate your your movement and it just kind of puts you in that zone so that's what nasal breathing is and that's what we're going for and that's sort of i think it's just important to Mm -hmm. put that out there because we're really giddy about this conversation we knew we were going to get into it um so that's kind of where we're at that's what nasal breathing is and i don't know exactly 100 where we left off i thought that was important (laughs) to put in there but do i want to continue to kind of pick that back up right and i mean especially on the mecca side for you guys listening like (laughs) Don't don't take this and be like, you know what, body lab today, I'm gonna nasal breathe. <laughs> yeah, 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 you you ain't gonna do it. It's not gonna R-I-P. happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you if you warn the coach beforehand and you're like, hey, I'm gonna go really slow, I wanna try this today, yeah, that's a way better approach. But like, yeah, it doesn't matter what we decide to practice and do, there's there's just different approaches that can make it work better, more successfully. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so you tested it out a little bit before I you did. jumped into the endurance track. Yes, yeah, so really quick, mm-hmm. um, to our initial conversation about me, about seeing a new doctor and all Mm -hmm. these things. I actually had a lung function test done when I was there. um, And my lungs only functioned, fully functioned when I would take a deep breath to 85%. So I was like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like just my, with my asthma, my deepest breath, like I was only, my lungs were only operating 85%. So, I was like, something's got to change. Like, so to me, it was more so about getting creative on how to heal myself. Um, and it's like healing myself from within sort of, um, as hippy dippy as that sounds do. Um, <laughs> um, so when I started nasal breathing, um, I feel like I kind of, I have always liked it from the very, be- very beginning. I always thought it was very hard as mm-hmm. well. Um, I was, I, I've never really brought an ego into the gym. I work out for myself and I work out for my health. So to me, it wasn't, it didn't matter that I, some people were getting six rounds of a workout and I was getting maybe four work rounds, but guess what? My steady state was like, my heart rate was high the entire time mm-hmm. where yours was hot out the gate, dying and then getting like back up and then mm-hmm. steady state. Right. Um, so after I did, gosh, I post this on my Instagram story. I could probably go back and find it. I did, I think it was 60-some workouts of nasal breathing. Does that mean you dipped into the endurance track? Probably right around then, yeah. Okay. Um, I had my lungs tested again, and they were up to 92%. Boom. Um, <laughs> wild. Okay. So Now, was... Was it specific things? Was it the strength track? Totally anecdotal. We have no idea, but it's just really cool to see like those numbers are just, I don't know. I, it could be a combination of the medicine and the nasal breathing. Um, but there was a reason that I kept nasal breathing no matter any time people literally thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I would be full on barbell cycling and doing burpees over bar while nasal breathing and I would log them in my notes. Like Keep I, in mind, people, a lower <laughs> intensity. <laughs> okay? A lower intensity. And, I mean, I am queen of scale city. Scale city. Don't get me wrong. So, I mean, I 
when I do burpees, I step back, I chest the deck, I step up, I step over the bar. So it's like, but while I'm doing that, my mouth doesn't open. Like, um, my, it's, it's just crazy that my heart rate stays the same the entire time. And my body gets warmer from the, like, the inside. I feel warmer. I feel like I just got three times the workout. Maybe the person next to me did while they were dying on the ground. Um, it's, it's very eye-opening. Anybody who has talked to me about it, I try to get them to do it. And they're like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, you're lost. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like you kind of have to be in the mood to start it. But once you do it, and once you do it right the first time, yeah. it's a little like, um, oh, that's kind of addictive. Yeah, right? Yeah, try that so I was addicted to it for sure. Um, I, don't, I, I don't do it every day. I know what's really cool now is I feel like I have um, total control of most of my breathing practices. So there are certain workouts where I'm like, I need to nasal breathe this one because it's going to keep my pace. And that is the purpose of this workout. Um, and then there are other times where I'm like, to me, it makes more sense for me to get a workout in without nasal breathing this time. Um, I can start and stop nasal breathing anytime I want to during any workout. Mm -hmm. If there's a time where I feel myself getting really winded and shaky, nasal breathing immediately. And I calm myself back down. Um, it's all about getting anchored mentality, um, back into the workout. So it's, it's very interesting, but it's super cool. Um, so I don't want everybody to think that like Alicia has been doing like a hundred plus nasal breathing workouts now. No, you can watch me doing some workouts and I'm not nasal breathing. I promise. It's just, it's so cool though, to see like a stat like that, but to have like a real lung function test done, mm -hmm. you know, where you, and you, were you on that? that medication too yeah during that mm -hmm. time so mm -hmm. you know medication but then to be able to check mark 60 nasal breathing workouts right and another lung function and things are better like that's it's so cool like we said like you know correlation doesn't mean causation but um in that process if that by itself isn't what helped heal the lungs mm -hmm. uh it certainly elevated something like in your mindset and it certainly elevated like your, your fitness practice itself. oh yeah i was know? just gonna say nasal breathing did so much for my mental health um it legitimately was a form of moving meditation and i did it outside of the gym as well um so something that was really big for me was that i was a mouth breather when i slept and i slept like shit um and I would wake up dry mouth, sore throat, all of that kind of stuff. So before I went to bed, um, like I'd be laying in bed, I would start with nasal breathing and just hope that in my sleep I would also still nasal breathe. Um, and then I would do it um, walking Juni um, or on, on hikes, um, just trying to implement it in different ways or when I was walking around, like at the time when I worked at Stage A, when I was walking around the venue. Um, nasal breathing, like incorporating it, in different aspects makes it that much easier to bring it into the gym so it's definitely been like a practice that i even this morning when i just did my first shadow here um i was like i watched everybody not just do their movements but also watched everybody breathing and i was really scared for everybody <laughs> i was like yo dylan are we gonna do a nasal breathing anytime soon 
I uh, I actually I I did an Ace Weekly workout on Tuesday in honor of how do you feel? How do you amazing? Felt amazing. But it's interesting too, though. Um, if I can bring like a personal example into it from home, so Nina, my five-month-old at home, like default is nasal breathing. They don't breathe with their mouth. Uh-uh. Like she's can be snotty and stuffed up, and you just hear <laughs> <laughs> like it's yeah. just like. She's just still trying to breathe through her nose. Like, it's not until you, you know, squeeze her nose shut that the mouth opens. Like, it's reflexive. So it's funny that somewhere along the line, we're living our lives and we, we turn into, like, mouth breathers. It's, yeah, you know? so... Like it's, it's funny where that, that, that In the book, um, James Nestor talks about... He does, like, a whole history thing on it and talks about how in certain um, civilizations it was frowned upon to let your baby breathe out of their mouth. So they train, like, they wouldn't let their baby breathe out of their mouth, which is scary to think about, but it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, they knew more than we did right now, right? Isn't that kind of weird? Seems like it sounds for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, the nasal breathing thing could just... I was so Love excited it. to get yeah. into that. <laughs> I, was so, I heard the phrase, I was like, yeah, yes, let's, let's go. go. <laughs> um, and two, the fact that it came from a place where, like, you weren't even... You weren't about endurance mm-hmm. either. That wasn't your thing either. Uh, so I loved endurance, and I did the endurance for a while. Um, endurance is way harder to do with nasal breathing. I didn't do my entire... The t- entire time I did the endurance track, I did not do nasal breathing. Um I, try, I did it as much as I possibly could until I literally, I knew my limits. Yeah. Um, and those type, and that's the thing too, is like those types of workouts aren't meant to do, be done full nasal breathing. Right. Yeah. Like for, for those that are listening that haven't done it, like there's some stuff in there that you have no business attempting like the nasal breathing. Cause the, the effort on a machine or an erg or whatever like is very high. Like bike sprints? Right, yeah. Like, no. we do not expect people to do that just because it doesn't make sense. It's not applicable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you did it right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so you run through this, like, endurance course, too, and, you know, kind of back around to the Olympic lifting thing or back mm-hmm. to strength and stuff. And I know Olympic lifting is a big one for you. Yes. Um, and so it's fun to talk about that story but it's also fun to talk about the things like you originally love and kind of return to mm-hmm. and so through all this process here you are kind of back on the olympic lifting mm-hmm. train mm-hmm. um and just kind of talk about like why you love that so much and, and what's what's the magic there with olympic lifting um i'm constantly learning something i am not a master of olympic lifting I will never be. There are a lot of flaws that I have. Um, a big thing for me, I tore my labrum in college. Um, just the first time I dislocated was just doing stuff in the gym that I, I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't proficient in the gym. So I had dislocated my shoulder doing a skull crusher. Yeah, or I found I mean, that out this morning. <laughs> um, I, knew the, I knew the fact, but I didn't know how you did it. Yeah, so that was my first dislocation. Um, second dislocation was when I was doing snatches. So... Um, tore my labrum and ever since then I haven't been the I mean best at snatching but I make every effort to try to strengthen my shoulders in some way 
um, trying to do some sort of scale. Steering clear of things that I know that are going to purposely hurt me. Um, I want to get better at snatching, therefore I'm not doing kipping on a rig. I will never do kipping on a rig again. Um, I get work done here. I recently started rock climbing. Um, trying to supplement muscle memory with other forms of strength training. Um, when you're rock climbing, you're doing everything strict. Just as you're doing a strict pull-up, you're not like you're swinging around on a rock wall. Um, when you're bouldering or anything like that, you are very much like methodically moving your body, using your legs to help boost that strength in your shoulder. So it's all of those things that I can combine to try to make myself a better lifter than I'm going to. Um, Olympic lifting is so technical and I have no hesitations when, like even this morning, for example, I did a muscle snatch and I was like, did I even do that right? Like I'm constantly like, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything with purpose and not hurting myself, but also, but like benefiting myself. And I want, I, like I said, I don't have an ego. I have no problem asking five questions about the same movement. Um, I think that's, I mean, just who I am, like dedicated and determined, um, but also passionate about it as well. So like, <laughs> I get so excited <laughs> just talking again because as these things usually do, we don't even have to make it happen. It just brings itself full circle. It's like, I'm doing this and this and the rock climbing and, and the snatching and I don't kip, but then I do this. It's like different doses of different things. Yeah. Like you're just still... Just little puzzle. You're just I mean, still that's all adapting. life is, right? Yeah, you're just Little puzzle pieces yourself. fitting together somehow. And, and, and they're all helping. That's what's crazy. Like, as her rock climbing's getting stronger, her snatching's getting more solid, you know? And as she's learning to snatch better... And she's getting more confidence on her shoulder. Her rock climbing is getting better. It's like, do these things have a direct correlation? No, but your brain is learning how to adapt. Mm -hmm. Your brain is just learning how to adapt and react to things. But also with that, I want to throw in there that um, mental health check real quick. Um, Things ebb and flow. Um, That is a phrase that I have picked up from Shout Out Jenny. Jenny DuPont, Um, ebb and flow is such a real thing. So I can be super strong on the rock wall one week, and the next week I slept like shit, I didn't eat the best I could, Um, and so I'm just not as strong on a wall. I can't get the route that I got last week. Um, I'm not hitting the same lifts as I was. Um, I have very quickly realized that that is okay. Um, As long as I'm showing up and I'm moving and I'm having that awareness, and not pushing my body, um, the body will return to what it's meant to be. Um, so, I mean, sometimes I can work up to 75-pound uh, snatch and be like, wow, that felt freaking great. Other times I'm doing, like, the barbell, and I'm like, I'm tight. Like, I shouldn't go further than this. Um, but it's all about having that mentality to be like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And like putting yourself in the in the spotlight of like being able and allowing yourself to experience this stuff is also huge. Um, it's kind of like we forget from time to time like this stuff is supposed to happen and ebbs and flows are supposed to happen because mm-hmm. if not, every one of us would be squatting thousands of pounds by now <laughs> right. and like PRing on everything we do nonstop, like sleeping the best and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean your your ability to accept that 
you're about to go through some changes and learn a different way is, I think, what keeps you on your road. Yeah, and I will say, um, I mean, I'm still that girl that had the body of dysmorphia. I'm still that person who overanalyzed every single thing I ever did. But as I'm maturing and as I'm feeling more confident in my mentality and my mental health and who I'm surrounding myself with, I'm happy. I'm very happy. I am healthy right now. Um, I'm capable, like I'm passionate. I, I really just want to be the best person I can be, best human, best friend, um, all of that. So I think that it, everything, every little tiny aspect that I've done or that I've worked on or that comes full circle is incredible. It's crazy. It's weird. It's really scary, but it's cool. I, uh, I'm not sure if your tour that you gave Alicia, um, was before the first class that I met you in. But I still remember the first class, and your dad was with you. Yeah. So first, how's mm-hmm. your dad? Mm-hmm. My dad's good. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm sure he'll listen to this. Shout out, <laughs> dad. Um, so I remember, he, I, I live right down the street. I was like, Dad, there's a CrossFit gym walking distance. So we came. We came through the garage door. Yikes. Um, <laughs> Carrie was like, let me walk you to the front. Shout out, Carrie Lehman. Um and then David gave me my tour. Nice. Um, and I remember taking the selfie with David. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just took a selfie with David. He's going to send it to all the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was the next day that I okay. came that you were the coach. Yeah. And then I remember, like, I was usually when people drop in or even, like, start as members, like, our coaching staff knows by now, like, hey, make them feel comfortable. Ask them a bunch of questions. What do they do for work? How do they have any injuries? All that stuff. And I remember asking you. Um, and you said, you told me all the stuff about your shoulder Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then like your dad was there too. And and it kind of painted a picture in my head and I was like, if she stays here, I know like the kind of programming that I put in and I know like the kind of staff that we have and like, she's going to be set up real well. And I'm very, very happy to see you now. Yes. Um, I don't think I can talk anymore about how much my life has changed since just being here so Pittsburgh is the first city that I moved to after college um I knew zero people when I moved here I had no family here no friends here I came here by myself to start a life I don't know that's what you're supposed to do after college right (laughs) um but I knew that one thing that would make me feel like I had a piece of home was a gym was CrossFit and coming here I feel like I've done nothing but embrace all of the changes and blossom into, I mean, I'm really proud of everything that I've accomplished since being here. Um, it's, it's just, I feel well-rounded. I feel appreciated. Um, I still get excited to come in and do a workout. I still ask a question every class. Um, I get work done here. So I mean, what, I mean, I get my shoulder work done. I get cupping done. I try to do everything I can to make sure that I'm healthy and I'm able and I want to be that way for a long time and now I'm slowly starting to shadow which doesn't even seem real that like I could be I just want to make that difference for somebody else I want to be sometimes it's hard for people to come in and feel comfortable and there's introverted people and that's okay Um, but if I can be that person that impacts them just a tiny bit um, makes them have like add two two and a half pound plates on each side for their push press or their deadlift something cool like that that's something that they've been afraid to do then I call it a win like that's that's what I'm here for I'm here for 
community engagement. I'm here for growth. I'm here for happiness. Mm-hmm. So thank you, mm-hmm. Cross yeah. at Mount you, Lebanon, for you, everything. <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. You really, know? It's, it's cool to have that growth and to have people go through all of this just looking for that basically betterment of their life to mm-hmm. approaching something like coaching here that you never thought ever yeah. you know like that's not that wasn't the point of this mm-hmm. um, but I just think everything we've talked about you add it all up and it, it kind of points in that direction that like, you build yourself up to understand this to a point where like now you have an understanding that you can share mm-hmm. to help others understand it and, and kind of get going on mm-hmm. their process and their journey as well um want to just kind of wrap up with you know we did talk about you know the effects of this on your life and stuff but uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the the artistic and the creative <laughs> stuff and all of your your painting mm-hmm. and things like that. So, um, for for the painter out there who doesn't exercise but is curious about it, <laughs> I'm gonna really put you on the spot. Okay. you here, kind of wrap it with a goofy question. But mm-hmm. like, now what did what did fitness do for for your creative side? Is it you know? the growth of your mentality in here kind of sparks some of that creativity? Do you have more endurance to hold the paintbrush in your hand? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I mean, funny. I'm kind of just being funny, but, you know, um, yeah, where, where, did that, where did that come from? So, yeah, I already have the answer. Um, it's an outlet for me. So, for me, I come here to release the stress, to get a clear mind. Um, and when I leave it here, I might like physically be a little bit tired or drained, but mentally I'm so clear. So when my mind's clear, I'm ready to start creating. Um, because as cool and expansive as creativity is, it is bogging and overwhelming and time consuming. Um, it's wild. It's it's something that I can't even explain. Like, I was talking to Sarah about it a little bit. Um, having a creative mind <laughs> is a lot. Um, so whenever I can come here and I don't have to be creative, I just put in the work. Whether that means I'm doing my track, I put my headphones in, I grind out for an hour. Um, I do some Olympic lifting or when I would do the endurance. Um, you're on such a body high that your mind is ready to work. So... There's like a little concept in there that I think like other people have touched on too, but that, that like I just can come in here and kind of shut off. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the same time, none of it is mindless. Right. It's like it's like we're checking out, but not really. We're actually kind of checking. You're in. dialing in. You're dialing. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just. The so you're letting go of line. things. Like when you come to the gym, these are things you can control. This is a choice. Mm-hmm. You made the choice to come here. And you're controlling what you can control, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes when you're out in the workforce or when I'm sitting at my desk trying to freaking bust through some paintings that have been on my request list for like a year, <laughs> I'm like, like, I don't want to do this right now. I come to the gym. I feel refreshed. I feel accomplished and clear. I'm like, I can do two paintings. I can do three paintings. So it's all about 
the ebb and flow, yeah. the growth, um, challenging yourself, taking on, like adapting and all of that stuff. It's so true. I remember, I mean, for a personal experience too, like I know there's with ebbs and flows too, like I'll get in phases where I'm really good with working out or doing whatever I'm doing physically. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes not so much the case, you know, but like even when I was back into in swimming heavily, like in college, I remember I was way more on top of my task list. Like, and I, and I kind of took what I realized with that and as I graduated and got into real world stuff mm-hmm. is like if I have an important decision to make even to this day I'm probably going to get in and move my body a little bit before mm-hmm. I make a call mm-hmm. and, and it helps me kind of clear my mind and be able to make a better decision so mm-hmm. it's it's accurate for a lot it's of people it's a muscle memory thing too mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. yeah, well Alicia great stuff <laughs> We we dove right in. Um, I I'm just really excited to be able to sit down with you and members like you and coaches and stuff and continue to do this podcast. It's it's been an absolute blast, Dylan. It's always good to have you by my side, Sarah. It's always good to have you on the sticks, and uh, <laughs> um, and. Uh, Alicia, is there anything you want to leave everybody with before we sign off? Um, just don't be afraid. Just go. Just do it. Write the goal on the board and work towards it. There you go. Love it. Just get into it. Just do it. So, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, as I said before, appreciate us being here. We will see you in the next episode. Thanks, everyone.